Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. Here we discuss ideas, experiences, and share stories about L&D-specific topics. I'm Shannon Tipton, owner of Learning Rebels, where we strategically fix training that's broken and develop workplace learning that delivers desired business results. Today, the cool kids are sharing their experiences with knowledge management tools. On our last Coffee Chat episode, we discussed the benefits of collecting stories and information. In this follow-up podcast, we dive deep into the well of knowledge management tools and explore the latest trends, strategies, and insights that can empower L&D professionals in their search for effective knowledge management. Now, as learning and development professionals, it's crucial to identify and implement the right knowledge management tools. Not every shiny tool is going to work for you. And we want the right one to help us with our curation efforts, but also a tool that aligns with the overall organizational need. Once we accomplish this, then we need to facilitate seamless knowledge sharing and collaboration across people and departments. Heavy sigh, because it's a big, heavy lift. So the question on the table today is, how can we leverage knowledge management systems effectively and what features should we be looking for so we can best help our organizations and the people within them? So without further ado, let's get to it. Let's go ahead and jump right on in. So when it comes to knowledge management itself, part of knowledge management is sharing the story or rather getting the story and getting the information that we need in order to facilitate communications across the organization, to keep policies, procedures updated, to keep the culture together within an organization because a culture leans into its stories, a good organization does. Then the question becomes, now that we have these stories, now that we have these informations and processes, now what? What do we do with all of this information, right? So let's talk about that. And what I'd like to do is get your ideas, the things that you are doing in order to curate, store, share the information that you've gathered. And I think one other important note that I'd like to make here is that when it comes to knowledge management tools, there there are many. There are low-tech options. There are high-tech options. And so I don't want you to get too hung up on oh my gosh, we've got to spend all of this money on a knowledge management system, right? Which is easy to do, but you don't have to. So what are some of those alternatives as well, which is what I'd like to get into and discuss with everybody today. So how are you storing, curating, sharing information within your organization? I work in an association and our members are our companies. So it's kind of hard for us to put 
information in one place. We have some things that are in our LMS and sometimes documents are housed within courses. And I'd love to hear ideas of, of these tools to maybe see how information can be accessible, not within a company, but between companies, I guess is, is a good way to put it. And I don't know if those kind of systems exist, but that's how my knowledge management or you know the sharing of knowledge is something that I'm interested in hearing about too. Well, thank you for that, Kathy. I appreciate you putting yourself out there. And there are tools that can help you share information even across associations, franchises, outside external components. So certainly, and I see a lot of SharePoint popping up in the chat. So we use SharePoint as definitely a major hub for knowledge. So we have essentially our employee knowledge center, and that's where we have a lot of information related to HR, talent management, talent development. We also had another team member who created a process hub on SharePoint and then tagged things so people can search for um, a certain type of resource. And then one thing we're actually doing, I know uh, I think John had mentioned Teams as well as a way of sharing knowledge. We are moving with LMS 365, so the Microsoft LMS. And one of the reasons we were interested in, the, in that is because of all the integrations with the Microsoft suite and also the LMS system. And so there are a lot of ways to also store knowledge and have knowledge within Teams. And I'm particularly really interested in that for our onboarding sessions, being able to when people start on their first day, they'll have their whole schedule on Teams. It connects to our calendar. It's also connects to the SharePoint, so where they can go to the resources. So really looking at the holistic view of how can we connect everything in Microsoft so it's not just in one area, but really more of a whole experience. I love that. And LMS 365 out of Microsoft is a sleeper product. That's for sure. I think if Microsoft made more of an effort to uh, market that, people would be completely all in. You got XAPI that links up with it. You have all sorts of goodies that go with LMS 365. And the, the capability to share knowledge across the organization certainly becomes easier because everybody's hooked in to the same place. So maybe in the future, Katie, I would love to get more of your experiences with that. I think that's that's really awesome. What I'd like to know now is somebody who's also using SharePoint, but using it in a different way than what Katie is doing. SharePoint users, who else would like to volunteer how you're using it? So honestly, it's basically just a glorified folder system for us at the moment. So we are a relatively small organization. We're only 25 people. And in that, our learning and development team is 9 to 10, depending on the uh, day and year. So there's no real rhyme or reason in our knowledge management system. And I say that with the most quotation marks of all quotation marks. So I'm I'm looking forward to learning more about how to do it in a more formal way. Well, and I think you've hit on the truth of it. Even with tools like SharePoint, which would be great at their basic setup, sometimes that works for organizations. If you're smaller, that could work, but it's not really sustainable, right? So you need some sort of methodology in order to, or or process in order to take it to the next level. Although it sounds like you guys are set up for success, at least you've got folders, right? Some people just dump information in there and they're really not paying attention to folders or tagging or any of those other good things that help organize knowledge. Now I see here 
Laura, you also mentioned SharePoint. Are you using this in any different way? Sort of similar to um, the previous uh, person who responded. We we just use it a, a little bit uh, more robustly than a folder system. But I know that we're not really making fantastic use out of it. And I'm also looking forward to getting some tips from this call. But one thing that I would just mention is a particular issue that we're looking to resolve is we do a lot of work with obviously the department that I'm in, but you know, kind of sharing across departments and sharing with external parties is always a concern. And I think that's highly relevant to, um, you know, if you're training people that are not in your own department, how do you then make the information that you're referencing available? I think the first thing when we think about knowledge management is how are we communicating? You know, if if people do not know that the information exists, then it doesn't really matter how well it's organized. You know, so I think a lot of times when we talk about knowledge management, we really don't link that up to communication management. And what you're talking about there, Laura, I think is also and also part of some of the conversations that I'm seeing in the chat is how do we first get people in and then think about how do they then find the information? Because some of you may be using your learning management system as a quasi-knowledge management system, right? And a lot of LMSs really aren't set up for that or aren't set up for that well, you know? So you've got a place where maybe you, you create your course on your learning management system. And within that course, you put all of the assets, right? And so then what that means is that the person has to log into the course in order to get the assets, which I don't know a lot of people want to do that. Or we make them take the course over again so that they can access the resources. And we don't do that from any purposeful way. That just happens to be how it's set up. You know, so that's also a fail. Now, how can we then think beyond that? So if you're currently using a learning management system, how can you buddy that up? So I saw Don, Don Becker. Hello, Don Becker. And Don Becker, incidentally, is going to be hosting our next Learn Something New session, which is next week on gamification. So hopefully y'all signed up for that. So Don, I saw your comment in there about using teams. Now, is it possible then that we can take the paradigm that we're currently working in, where people are using their learning management system as their knowledge management system, and maybe couple that or augment that with the use of Teams? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Because really, especially with a lot of the updates that has gone through Teams, I'd say even over the last year, for those of you that aren't too familiar with it, and I know I think Katie was you that was uh, getting ready to 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 transition to Microsoft 365 because of Teams, and and I think you're going to really find that it's a very very robust tool. Uh, when I own my own business, I did that. I utilized Teams. I was actually traveling even farther into the Wayback Machine. It was I was a uh, one of the beta testers actually. But so many of the new features that have come up allows you to create private channels, which is how I can utilize that while communicating with clients. And so that way, that conversation can only be seen by the people that I specifically invite to that channel. Now, that could be intra-team, uh, intra-department, intra-organization, or 
uh, if I'm dealing with an external partner, then I can create, it's called a shared channel that can be it's shared between organizations where they only see that channel inside that one team. So a lot of the, oh, well, I want to invite them in so they can, so we can share these resources, but I don't want them seeing all these other things. Those concerns kind of go away. And then to be able to utilize teams, you create this really this file structure that mirrors the way you have in the learning management system. So tying it back to what Shannon was talking about, you say you've got a course on leadership development, course A, you have that corresponding folder in teams in a channel called leadership development. You have that folder and then you have those, those resources there. So that way the hierarchy matches what you see in the LMS. So it's not a matter of, I have to find it this way in, in one side, but this way in a different way, the hierarchy matches. And then, so you have those additional resources. So they don't have to go back into the course and take it two, three times to pull the, pull what they need or pull the, the, the job aid that you created or whatever else in there. So thank you for that. And also, I would add that the team structure is, for those of you who use Slack, right? So team structure, Slack structure, it could be set up in that same way. I love the idea of having corresponding channels. You know, so if you've got all of your leadership development courses, you can tell them, go here, right? Go here to find this information. You could also have a channel that's dedicated to you know, leadership development uh, downloads or resources, and then another one for leadership development video, audio, you know, for them to receive those tips. And so what I would encourage you to think about is, and I'll leave it to you guys to correct me if I'm wrong, but what I would think about is how do you personally search for information? So when you have a question for the universe, typically we all go to Google first, right? And then we we type in a question and, and we see what pops up. But generally thinking about how we search for knowledge in life is how we're going to search for knowledge in the workplace. And so then again, it, it is, I, I like that, Don. It, it is about being intentional about how you are creating these assets, like Katie said. So I love what Katie said about, are we creating the right tags, keywords, et cetera? And if your system can support hashtagging, even better, right? Because then people can search through a hashtag to find it. So think about how you search for information in life and then see whether or not your system can mimic that. And if it can't, is there a system out there that can, right? So a uh, question on Teams, is this in lieu of SharePoint or in addition to? That's a good question. Don, what are your thoughts? Really, we've completely abandoned the SharePoint because really what Teams is, is Teams is just a pretty display with SharePoint that's built in on the back. So it's redundant to do both. So yeah. just, utilize, just utilize Teams and it's going to already be stored. You can create those SharePoint links and, and within Teams, you can actually you know click and say open up in SharePoint. So it will actually open up in SharePoint because really the foundation of Teams is built in SharePoint. So. I don't do double the work. Work smarter, not harder, as I say. You can also edit anything that's in your team's folder structure in SharePoint. Exactly. So me, rather than clicking through all the different channels and trying to find the right ones, I just go right into my browser, go to that SharePoint page for that team's channel and upload documents, change things. And then you also have two different experiences for people. You can have a much more visual browser-based experience or you know, the team's channel experience, but it's all the same information. 
Well, that's interesting. I see. So then a person has a choice. So it's like, I want to look at all of this content on Teams, or I want to look at all of this content on SharePoint. Absolutely. And they're set up, the hierarchy is set up the same. It has to be, right? Because they cross-pollinate. Yeah. So I can drag anything I want into Teams to add it to Teams, and it adds to that SharePoint page as well, because it's, as Don said, it's just mirroring each other. And I think one of the big the big enhancements or the big bonuses of the Teams experience versus the SharePoint experience is the opportunity for a collaborative conversation. Yeah. Talk to me about how that works. When you're, in, when you're within Teams, uh, you can actually, inside those channels, there's different posts. So you can make a post and then you can specifically tag, tag different people and include uh, file attachments in those conversations. So that way you can talk about whatever the document is that you have pulled up, you know, present, whatever file that you that you have there. You can discuss it collaboratively in real time. You know, it could be the files can also be updated in real time as you're working together. And you could be saying it's like, oh well, I'm I'm editing this part right here. You edit this part right here. Hey, what do you think about this thing? So it really eliminates the the use of the, the old comments feature that's inside uh, the Microsoft Office suite. Uh, because if you have the files that are that are housed directly in Teams, then those those collaborative conversations are happening within those channels. And that's how we look for information in life, isn't it? Yeah. Right? So if you're on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or, or threads, <laughs> wherever you are at, when you are looking for information, you're either looking you know, for the person, you're looking for the hashtag, you're looking for the attachment, you're looking for the image, and this can all work in the same way. So therefore, what we're doing is that we're connecting people to knowledge in a less disruptive way, in a less frustrating way, in a way that they are used to, right? So I think that's the important part to take away out of the conversation here between Jason and Don, which, by the way, I'm loving. I can just kind of sit back and let you guys do the talk so that I, I look at when that happens. All right. And so it's, can you add someone to a Teams channel based on a link that you share, or does it have to be by an email address? This is from Kathy. Kathy, do you want to elaborate on that question? We use Teams all the time, but it's just within our organization. So I'm familiar with Teams, but not through the expansion of the file sharing. And I think it's interesting. I, I didn't realize that SharePoint was the back end of Teams, but as I click into Teams, I see our SharePoint files. I'm like, hello, light bulb went on. But y'all learned something new today. I know. Hello. So if I had somebody external organization that I wanted to come into a Teams channel that I create, do I have to specifically add them and invite them in via, you know, an email? Or can I say, hey, here's our Teams channel. Here's a link to it and share it with the specific people that I want and kind of have them come in that way. So I'm just curious how people get added? So that's a great question. The only way that I've ever added people is I add them via email to the overall team. And then once they're added to to that team and teams, gosh, try to say that five times fast. Uh, once I add them to the team and teams, then I then add them to that private channel so that way they have access. The only downside is if you have non-private channels that are listed inside that team, they would be able to see that. So I generally have, you know, each channel is either private or shared within that team that I'm that is dealing with external clients. So that way, even when I add them in, they're going to see nothing but 
the general channel, which really has nothing, and their specific channel. But the only way that I've ever added people is is adding them via their email. Uh, Jason, have you had any luck uh, sending out like a like a share link? No, I'd same same thing. Always added people, and most of ours is all internal, so it just comes off of Active Directory. Thank you, Matthew. I hope that's helpful. And I, you know what? As I'm scrolling through the chat here, and there's a lot of conversation happening in the chat, and First off, uh, thanks, Leslie, for posting the link, the YouTube link for Microsoft's LMS 365. Thank you for that. So you can go back and find that when you get the resources for this call. But I'd like to go back to Renee. So Renee, you had mentioned something about OneNote and using OneNote in conjunction with Teams or the calendar function, et cetera. So do you want to elaborate a little bit on how you're using OneNote? We use OneNote to like make our notes for agendas and sort of things that don't really elevate themselves to actual documents, but are just reminders of things we want to bring up into meetings. There's a plus sign at the top of the, at the top of Teams where you can add a OneNote notebook. There's literally hundreds of add-ins that you can do different things course, it has to be enabled by your IT. But I think OneNote is one of the more useful ones. So I don't know. That's really the only one I use. Well, I think that that's perfect. Because OneNote, do you use OneNote as a collaborative tool as well? Yes. So then what you've got in OneNote is you've got different people sharing ideas or what have you. And if you attach that to a certain channel, then you have magic. You do. And and the reason we ended up doing that is because I w- had all kinds of notes and history and just reminders in my OneNote folder. And then we added a new person to the team. So rather than trying to recreate that, we just added him to the OneNote so he could go find things. And that's how knowledge management works. Just like w- what I showed, how that person wants to experience it. So you can either do OneNote within Teams or open up your OneNote on your desktop and add it to whatever, you know, to your display. So you can see, you know, all the different binders, whatever they're called, notebooks that, you know, you have access to. Anita asks, Don, but I think that question is actually for Jason. Um, What app did you use for your tracker? The LMS issue tracker. I built that myself. So you guys, everybody just rush to your emails and then just, Message Jason and find out, or on LinkedIn, find Jason. There you go, Jason. You'll keep you busy. Yeah, it's, it's not a hard one to do. All right. See, this is exactly what knowledge management is all about, is having the one source of truth, wherever that may be. And so that one source of truth is where people go and even some user-generated content, right? So when you talk about OneNote or adding the OneNote file, which you can do also in Slack, by the way. So for those of you who use Slack rather than Teams, Slack has the bookmarking feature where you can put stuff at the very top of a channel. And so that can be a link, that could be um, a Miro board, it could be a OneNote file, it could be a whole bunch of other things. It could be a Google Doc. So you can add those bookmarks, they call them bookmarks, at the top of your Slack channel. Same sort of thing, you know, where you are allowing people to find the information that is most important to that channel at that moment in time, because you can always change them in and out. Same thing for Teams. So this is what I mean is that you don't need to have fancy dancy tools like Notion 
you know, or even Asana could act as a, a knowledge management sort of repository. You don't have to have those high techie type of tools. You can take what you have in your organization and make that work for you. Somebody here was working on a library. Nathan, if you're able to speak about that, I'd love to hear more about what you're, what you're trying to accomplish, how you're going about it. The, what I'm working on with my company, uh, with the projects and everything, we have so many different vehicles for delivery. We have our e-learning uh, that goes on the LMS. And then we also have the storage files that we work with that need to be stored separately and in a different location. Uh, we have the knowledge base that is accessed through the customer resource management software, uh, where most of our employees access our knowledge via that point that exists both on the software and in the files that the designers access as well, right? And then you start to see the, that siloing start to exist across different, you know, subdivisions of the Google Drive. And, and so just all of that content, uh, keeping track of all of it is a real challenge, maintaining, you know, just exactly what is where and all of that. So that's the largest challenge that I face. What's the goal? What are you trying to achieve? Ideally, to be able to track and easily update everything that we're working on rapidly and quickly. And so is it just you or is it a team of people? It's a team of people. It's a it's a team of multiple people and, and a knowledge base of, you know, hundreds of files spread across six continents. So, wow. OK. And so what you want to do is you want to make those libraries more accessible consolidated even or you know um synchronized right for example we'll have files that are stored in the drive or whatever but that they will then lead the learners to the lms to access the files and then if there are any changes to that lms file that's on a completely separate system you have to make sure it all lines up and everything mm -hmm. like that so that's the first thing i'm thinking of Right. And I don't think that the challenge that you're facing, Nathan, is uncommon, small or large, is that we find that we have a lot of disparate information within a lot of groups, a lot of redundancy, right? So you've got information on Salesforce, you got information on your LMS, you got information on your SharePoint. So you have a lot of redundancies there. And so I think part of any good knowledge management system or process is about setting up the flow. Here's how information comes in. This is how it gets filed. This is how we tag it. This is how we hashtag it. This is who's responsible for it. And then it goes into a particular place. I'll ask the group, everybody here. I mean, does that sound like a logical first step? So Shanae, yes. It feels like we're a bunch of islands. Everyone has their own system, right? I'm looking for suggestions here for, from you guys. If you have an organization that is a bunch of islands, how do we go about building some cohesiveness? How do we build bridges to each of those islands? What are your thoughts? I don't know how well it's working, but one of the things that we do is we have defined what goes on teams and what goes on Spark. And Spark is our learning management or our knowledge management system. And it has social media functions on it, but you can store documents and videos and that sort of thing there. And then 
the biggest thing you have to do is cross-link things. So if you've got something that you need to access and it lives on Spark, you need a link to it. But you can also link back to Teams if you need to. And I do that like from the management system as well. You link back to it. Right. It links back to the one source of truth, right? Yes, exactly. Wherever that may be. Out of curiosity, what what makes a piece of information go on Spark versus Teams? So if you're working on a document and it's an in-progress kind of document, it goes on Teams with your team of group that you're collaborating with. But if it's a historical piece of information that we want to have access to, it goes on Spark. So for instance, I have weekly seminars that get recorded and those videos all go on Spark. But the PowerPoints and the, well, we have another place to store them, but the PowerPoints and all the details about that video go somewhere else completely. But it's hyperlinked back. So if you've got a video and maybe you have some show notes that go with that video, does it link that? It's actually all on Spark. Uh, We put like the final version and we don't actually give access to anyone to the intermediate versions or even the raw video because I edit it before I post it. Those are on my personal drives. They're not actually anywhere else. What I'm trying to get to is if you had a video, let's say like this, you know, Mm -hmm. some sort of webinar video and you edit it and the final version ends up on Spark, Mm -hmm. but somebody wants the slides. We put the slides with the video. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get to. Is it just another link? Is it a hyperlink? What is it? How is it organized? The document is actually there. So for instance, what I might do if I have a course and I want to add the extra resource of this video, then I link from that course in my LMS to the Spark where the video lives. And so like, for instance, for compliance training, we have a place where you need to read the policy on harassment. And that document lives on Spark, but the training is in the LMS and it's a link from the LMS to Spark so that if the document changes, we don't have to do anything to update the course because it will get that change. Right. Excellent. So I like this cross-pollination, right? And it all goes, again, it all goes back to that wherever the one source of truth is. So you can have your learning management system and you can have knowledge that connects in a separate place. So people don't have to go back and through a whole course, you know, or 10,000 clicks through your learning management system in order to find something. And then once they find it, they can bookmark it in their browser and always have access to it, you know, or download it or whatever they want to do. But yeah, they can access it outside of the LMS. I love it. And I, I think that this is important. You know, when we talk about the ease of being able to find things, as I said before, it's you can have all of this great, wonderful content, but if people can't find it, then it's it's just lost, mm-hmm. you know? And I understand, and Stella made mention of this earlier, is that it's a heavy lift, you know, especially if you've got a lot of content and not, and no one wants to take responsibility for organizing that content, right, Stella? So the way that it, our system works, because it is a knowledge management system, is that the links are permanent links, so they don't change. The only time I've had them change is when we change knowledge management providers. So they're permalinks. Oh, okay. That's smart. 
All right. And so as we start to wind down almost at the top of the hour, these ideas were flying fast and furious. I love it. But I do want to get Stella. So Stella, um, what are your thoughts around this? So I know that you know you were talking about it being a little more difficult sometimes just to sort of harness in and take responsibility for this. You know, what are your thoughts now? I think no one wants wants to see the work curating and creating links and interactive documents. It takes so much time to update everything. And then in our organization, no one deletes outdated information. And very often uh, we have 700 products and sometimes a document should be available, but it has never been written. You know? And people are searching for it. And some people know it's not it's not available. You know, there are some information that's just not available. So I make overviews and I write down this document is not available, you know, and then I create interactive links. It's a Word document and then I distribute it as a, as a PDF with these interactive links. Only the most important documents, but this takes so much time and you have to raise the awareness for this um, updating. I agree. I agree as well. In my company, we have two people. That's their job is to manage the knowledge that's in our knowledge management system. So it certainly takes dedicated resources. Right. And I'm seeing the comments in the chat here, especially by Shanae. It is a job in of itself. And this is why thinking about the process becomes really important. You're diving into the middle of this and you've got a mess, right? And you're, you're diving into the middle of this. Then it's about high priority. Then it's about high use, high impact. And so what pieces of information are going to be of the highest impact to the people and to the organization here? And then what's its use? Okay, this is a really important piece of information, but it's only used once a year. Performance management, for example. Okay, So is that high on my priority list for now? Maybe not. But if this is something that is important to the organization but gets used all the time, then that deserves attention. So you think about four quadrants, right? Anything that lands in quadrant four probably, you know, can be take the approach like Stella did. It's like, I'm just going to put a little notation here saying that this is outdated and bada bing, bada boom, that's it. And I'll get to it later. But the things that are really important, then those, that's where we kind of want to start. And then we start with. Okay, what's the one source of truth? How do we get people there? What's the what's the tagging? What's the naming? What's the um, versioning protocol? You know, so you have to have these protocols in place. Then you've got to have your communication piece in place. We've got these protocols that we've set up the knowledge with. Here's the communication that we sent out to the organization. This is how you find it. This is where it's located. This is why it's important to you. If you need anything else, this is where you go. Add it to this a list, you know, of information that you feel that you need, right? And so then you put a communication piece together and then you start driving people in the right direction. You know, you let them know these are the areas where it's collaborative or where we want your opinion, or this is just for information only, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so then it becomes this whole package. That said, now we are also at the top of the hour. and. It went super fast for me, probably because I was, you know, a little behind the eight ball, as it were today. You guys all got a head start on me. But 
I I really enjoyed this conversation because even though it's not it's not sexy, right? It's not the sexy conversation. It's still an important conversation to have because this is the backbone of what we do. It's about how are we connecting people with the information that's going to allow them to succeed in the job. Nobody comes to work to fail. So how are we setting them up for success? And this is part of that process. So thank you everyone for being with us today. Also special thank you to Don, Don Becker. And once again, Don Becker next week on July the 12th, he is going to be hosting our to game or not to game. That is the question all about gamification, game mechanics, gaming theory. So if you are looking to make your e-learning activities more engaging, more fun, more connected to business goals through the idea of learning challenges, then you want to be with us next week. You can go to the Learning Rebels website under Learn Something New, and you'll find it there. Um, And then uh, I'm sure that Anne will put a link in there for everybody. There you go. And then also, the resources for today's call will be on the resources page on the website. It will be available for two weeks. After that, it's gone forever. Well, not forever, unless you're part of the community. If you're part of the Learning Rebels community, then you have access to the resources forever and ever. That's our own source of truth. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And those of you who are new, remember this call happens every other week, so not next week, but the week after. We are going to have conversations about building communities, which I think works directly with what we're talking about here. When we talk about knowledge management, we talk about bringing knowledge together. We also talk about bringing communities together, communities of practice, communities of excellence, communities in general in regards to your organization. So I look forward to seeing you all in two weeks. So hopefully you guys have a really great weekend on top of your long weekend that you've already had. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Well, this was informative. As I said in the beginning, when it comes to knowledge management, we don't have to get all high techy techy. Sometimes a good old-fashioned SharePoint site will do the job. And a lot of you are using SharePoint sites. And a lot of you were really surprised to find out that your SharePoint sites connect with Teams. So what this means is it's the little things that matter when we think about organizing knowledge. As I said, it doesn't matter how useful the content is. If people can't find it, they can't use it. So hiding information in the dark hole of your learning management system isn't the answer. So we have to think beyond this. It was great to hear from the group about how you use Teams to give people options as to how they want to receive information, how they want to see that information. This is critical. Communicating with people about knowledge options, giving them clear direction, and making the path so easy to follow is rarely a fail. Well, you wanna join us live? And you know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com, check out the events page, and sign on up. And don't forget to check out the Learning Rebels community where you can have an opportunity to build your knowledge and connect 
with other cool L&D professionals. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.